Welcome to Want to Want It, a podcast for women of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who are ready to ignite not only their sexual desire, but all of their desires to create a more fulfilling life and marriage. I'm Jamelyn Steffen. I'm a certified life coach, a wife, and a mother of seven children. I'm excited to share my personal journey to desire with you and teach you how to desire more as well. Hello and welcome to episode number one of the podcast, A Case for Desire. Why I want to talk about desire first is because this podcast is called Want to Want It. So of course, I want to get on here and tell you why you want to want something, anything, not just sex, but anything. And desire is so essential to our progress and our happiness and really our ability to be our very best selves. So when I started to look at desire because I felt like I was lacking so much general desire in my life, I just didn't feel like I understood how to really want things anymore. I had to kind of ask my question, like, why is it good for me to desire things? And what I've come to understand is that as humans, we are built with desires and appetites and we are kind of made to desire. We are children of the most creative being in the universe, and we have within us a divine heritage of creation. But to create anything, you actually have to want or desire something first. And then when we desire it, we can go out and create it and really reach our full potential as children of God. So when we want something, what we're really doing is just acknowledging what is inside of us and we're looking at that desire as part of who we currently are. Desire and wanting also really pushes our self-development. We can look at our life and we can see how amazing it is. But as humans, we're always going to strive for more. We really want to progress. We really want to let ourselves want something, whether it's a career, a certain amount of money, a certain dress size, a testimony a new way of seeing the world, maybe more love, more gratitude, like whatever it is, we open ourselves up to becoming something more when we desire it. Because in the process of going for what we want, we have to progress and change to get it. Desire is just so essential for our happiness and progress. Now, I know sometimes people will be like, well, my husband desires to look at pornography. So should he just be letting himself do that so he's being true to himself and true to his desires? Or or maybe they'll be like, I desire to sit down and eat a whole box of chocolate chip cookies in one sitting. So should I just let myself go all in on that so that I'm being true to myself? No, obviously, I don't get to decide that for anyone. But this is the truth about humans. We have lower desires and we have higher desires. And it doesn't necessarily mean that one is weaker or stronger than the other. It's just that they exist. So maybe you have this desire to just sit down and relax and watch a few episodes of a show one night. But you also have this higher desire to have a healthy body, which requires you to go exercise tonight. So you have these two desires and certain actions are going to fill one of those desires and certain actions are going to fill a different one. So maybe your husband does have this desire to look at pornography. This is his lower desire, but he also wants to have an intimate marriage built on trust. That's his actual higher desire. So our life is always going to be filled with lower and higher desires. 
lower desires, it's not necessarily that they're bad, but they are usually more of a default desire. They're just things that we want without really thinking about it. Whereas higher desires are very deliberately chosen and they will lead us to the kind of life we really want. So when I'm talking about learning to desire and want again, I'm talking about learning and wanting more higher desires, desires that you're choosing on purpose because they give purpose to your life and move you to be the person that you deep down really want to be. Even the reason for having sex can come from a lower desire, kind of like, oh, my hormones are telling me that, you know, I want to have sex and so I need to right now. Or it can also come from a higher desire, like I want to be completely connected with my spouse. I want to see him as he is. I want to love every part of him. I, I want this to be about both of us. This is just another way to strengthen my marriage, right? So it's like even, even some of these desires can be driven by a lower kind of desire or a higher desire. And the higher desire reason for sex is actually going to move you toward probably more of the marriage that you want versus that lower desire that isn't necessarily coming from a place of connection. Now, there are lots of obstacles to desire. I actually think the biggest obstacle that I had when it came to desiring something was that I didn't even know what I wanted or desired. I had no idea what to desire. I think little kids are great at desiring things. They, they want everything. I remember when I was little, the Christmas catalog would come to our house and I would spend hours looking through it and circling things that I wanted. I remember wanting to make the basketball team. I wanted to get good grades. I knew I wanted to get my driver's license. I knew I wanted to get married and have children. But at some point in my life, and probably as a teenager a little bit, I think I started to push my desires aside and I really stopped nurturing them. And maybe some of you can relate to this. So today I'm going to go through six reasons people stop themselves from desiring things. These are by no means all the reasons, and I haven't really put them in any particular order. But these are certainly reasons that I held my desires back. I just want to give you some awareness of how you may be ignoring or pushing aside your desires. So the first reason that people stop themselves from desiring things is people-pleasing. I myself am a recovering people-pleaser. I have been a people-pleaser all my life. And I do not say that to brag or sound like I'm a person that is so giving and selfless. No. When I was people-pleasing, I was being really self-centered and selfish. I really needed the approval of others so that I could have some sense of love and approval for myself. So my whole self-esteem rested on other people thinking I was good because then I could think I was good. So I spent my days trying to be sure that everyone else was happy so that I could feel good about myself. One of the long-lasting effects of years and years of people-pleasing, though, is that you feel like you lose yourself. Like, I felt like I've lost myself. The wants and desires of others almost always trumped my own. So it's like, well, what do they want to eat? Where do they want to go? What do they need kind of became more of my questions, right? Like, how can I keep them happy? And it's not because I didn't have opinions about maybe what I wanted to eat or where I wanted to go, but I just pushed them aside all the time to make room for someone else's desires. Until one day at 40 years old, I had to face the reality that I didn't know myself at all. 
Now, I know this kind of sounds extreme. It's not that I didn't know anything about myself or didn't act on some of my desires, but overall, I felt completely disconnected with myself and the idea of choosing to want something for me. That was just so far. So people-pleasing, for sure, is something that will decrease your ability to desire and kind of stop you from desiring. The second reason that you may have stopped desiring and wanting is perfectionism. I am also a recovering perfectionist. Again, not in a, you should hire me because I'll do everything perfectly for you type of way. No, in the, I'm too scared to be a real human in the world type of way. I knew that I had many shortcomings, but I hated them and I desperately wanted to keep them hidden from everyone around me, including myself. My whole goal in life was just to fly under the radar. Don't notice me could have been my motto in junior high and high school. And that's really hard to do when you're over 5'10". So I was definitely noticed, but I didn't want to be. I could hardly handle myself when I got married and my husband would point out something that I had done wrong. My self-esteem was so controlled by this facade of perfectionism. So perfectionists can really struggle with wanting anything beyond the desire to be seen as perfect because that means you have to nurture desire and really want something is scary because you have to go out and you have to try and get it. You have to go for it and you might fail. And what if someone doesn't approve of what you're aiming for? Yikes, like no way. As a perfectionist, you want to keep yourself closed off from anything that could make you vulnerable. And wanting is super vulnerable. Telling somebody what you want is really vulnerable. Going out and trying to get what you want, that is so scary. So when you are a perfectionist, it really is best to just keep your desires deep, deep down inside. The third reason that I have seen that some people have squashed their desires is because they don't want to actually be responsible for them. So for me, I think this was most noticeable in my sexual relationship. I had a lot of reasons for pushing down my desire, but I think the main reason was because of what I had been taught about sexuality from a really young age. Now, it's not because anyone sat me down and said, hey, just so you know, sex is for men and it's about men and you're just a facilitator. Like nobody said those words to me, but it is what I believed. I didn't even really know I believed it, but it is what I believed. And I think movies and books and maybe side comments from other women just really led me to believe that this was true. So when sex isn't even about you, why would you even worry about desiring anything? And yet I was super miserable in that dynamic. I felt really like overlooked and unimportant, unloved, and definitely unappreciated, but I really couldn't articulate why. So as I started to try and change my sexual relationship, I realized that I could desire something more. I was going to have to be responsible for that. I was going to have to really own what I wanted and really stand by it, even if it came in conflict with what my husband desired, which also was super uncomfortable. So I realized in that moment that it's actually easier not to desire and just feel resentment and bitterness towards my husband than to do the uncomfortable work of allowing myself to want something more, like really allowing myself to open up to all that I really desired, to stop people pleasing and to make room for myself in this relationship. So 
I see this dynamic in other relationships where the woman has completely squashed her own desire because she never really allowed herself to have it. And now she's kind of like not even sure that she wants it because it puts so much more pressure on her to engage in her relationship in a meaningful way. And it's uncomfortable. So it can be so uncomfortable to own that desire and to ask for what you want when you've spent years not doing it, that it's sometimes you just feel like, I don't want to want anything because I'm actually going to have to like go for it. Number four, of course, here's another reason we push down our wants. We are so afraid of wanting something that we won't get. We have all experienced this, right? Like you didn't get what you wanted for Christmas or you didn't get the grad date or you didn't get married right away or the babies right away or you didn't get the job that you wanted. Like whatever it is, we've all had times when we've wanted something so much and we haven't got it. It can be so disappointing. And the feeling of disappointment is so uncomfortable that our brain starts to tell us, listen, do you want to stop feeling this pain? Stop wanting things. And we immediately say, that is a really good idea. And we start to push our desires down. So I remember the first year my husband applied to medical school. He did not get one interview. And others he knew did, but he did not. And he was extremely disappointed. And for a few days, he was quite encompassed with this feeling of sadness and discouragement and even shame a little bit, like, what's wrong with me? But I think to myself, what would our life have been like had he decided he would push aside his deepest desire to become a doctor so that he wouldn't have to deal with this disappointment ever again? What would have happened if, if he had taken that safer route? For one, he wouldn't be a doctor today. But two, I believe he would be so disappointed. Because when you decide to not want something and to stop going for it so that you can spare yourself disappointment in the future... You're actually just disappointing yourself ahead of time. You're just guaranteeing that you will never get what you want. And you're just guaranteeing you're going to be disappointed. So the fear of disappointment can hold us back from wanting. Number five, the fear of becoming selfish. This holds people back from wanting and desiring. And I hear this so much from my clients. I remember um, as a young mom watching as a few women I knew in the same situation as me, like their husbands are super busy. They've got all these little kids. And they packed up and walked away from their husbands and their kids and often the values that they've been holding their whole lives and left. Now, the truth is, I actually have no idea what was going on in those homes or for those women. But I can tell you now I have way more compassion for them than I did then. Because at that time, all I could think was, what a selfish woman. And they would say things like, I've given everything for everybody else for so long and I'm done now. It's my turn to live the life I want. So in my mind, I equated that to mean that you could either squash your desires and be a good wife and a mother, or you could go all in on your own desires and walk away from all that is good and has ever been good in your life. Like it didn't occur to me that between those two extremes, there were a million other options. That in the middle of these I could be a good wife and mother and nurture my desires and wants. That my desires and wants didn't have to put me in opposition to the life that I wanted. And so I just realized finally it isn't selfish to want things. It's actually just a self-acknowledgement and therefore a version of self-love. And it isn't unselfish 
to squash my des- desires down to be this mother I want to be and just squash it all down because that's really self-denying. And, and so we'll squash our desires and dismiss them. But I did it out of fear when I did it. And I think there's lots of people that do that. They're this fear of becoming the selfish monster is so strong that they, they push their desires aside. And number six, the last thing I want to talk about is how our brains will kill desire with the words, I have to, or I need to, or I should, or I shouldn't. Again, this is most evident in the sexual relationships that I coached on that I see, like I have to have sex with him, or I need to have sex with him, are such common statements. So I don't want to get into all of that today, but I do want to tell you that whether it's about sex or motherhood or your home or serving others, as soon as you tell yourself that you have to, or you need to, or you should, you will squash your desire to do that thing. If you turn something into work, it no longer makes you feel free. If reading a book to your toddler at bedtime is work, your desire to do it is going to drop. If taking dinner to your sick neighbor is work because you have to do it, it feels like a prison, your desire to do it is going to decrease. If sex with your husband is just another thing to check off your to-do list, this thing that you should do, guess what? You're not going to feel any sexual desire. So here's my advice. If you think to yourself, maybe this woman is onto something and I'm going to start learning how to want to want again. First, I want you to know that it's going to feel terribly uncomfortable. It just is. You haven't allowed yourself to really want anything and now it's almost like forbidden fruit. So it's going to feel really uncomfortable to partake of it. So remind yourself that just because you feel discomfort doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. If you've been a people pleaser, it will be uncomfortable to put your desires ahead of others or to even consider what you would want. And it won't just be uncomfortable because of what other people might think of you it will be uncomfortable because you won't necessarily know what you want or desire. I was on a business trip one time and I was all by myself. The conference I was attending hadn't started yet, so I didn't know anyone. So I decided to check out some of the shops around the hotel and just get myself some dinner, but I was all alone. Guess what a people pleaser feels when she's on her own and has to decide where to eat? I felt like this little bit of freedom but a ton of discomfort because I'm so detached from my desires that it felt weird to just choose a place to eat and go there for me. But I had no one around to please, no one's opinion to consider, so I had to actually figure out what I wanted and go and get it. Now, this is just such a small example, but I want you to understand that it's going to be uncomfortable to learn to want things again. I have been working on desire for over three years now, and I can say it's more comfortable, but I still have a ways to go. Also, if you decide to want something and you don't get it, you may feel disappointed. It's not a good feeling. But remember, it's only a feeling. It's just a vibration in your body and you will be okay. When you stop being afraid of being disappointed, you will start to want the most amazing things. My husband is honestly the greatest example of this for me. When he wants something, He goes for it and nothing gets in his way. Now, he has had a few disappointments in his life, but overall, he gets what he wants. And he gets it because number one, 
he lets himself really want it and desire it. And number two, he isn't afraid to feel disappointed. So the first thing I will tell you is it is going to be uncomfortable. Nothing's going wrong. Just like it's uncomfortable to work a muscle you haven't used in a while, you will be uncomfortable using your desire muscle again. But you will get used to it and it will get stronger and it's going to start to feel more natural. The second thing I would suggest is start a list on your phone or in your journal of things you desire. It can simply be titled, I want dot, dot, dot. You may be surprised at all the things that you already desire but don't acknowledge. I went through this exercise with a coach one time after I had said to her, I don't think I know how to desire anything. So she asked me to start telling her things that I wanted. And I was like, okay, well, I know I want to be kind. I want my kids to have opportunities to feel the spirit. I want a healthy body. And I just kind of was going on with this. And it just really allowed me to see that some of my desires had become so second nature to me that I wasn't really seeing them for what they were. So start a list and add to it anytime you think of something else you want or desire. If you absolutely can't think of anything, start putting things on your list that you already have that you desired in the past. Like maybe it's a husband or children or a home or a vehicle or artwork or a certain skill. Anything that you may already have, put it on your list because those were things you desired and probably still desired to have. Now, here's my warning. Do not fill this list with what someone else thinks you should desire. Don't fill it with, I think good people would put this on their list. This is not about people pleasing or making a list you think would be acceptable to others. This is simply a way for you to start knowing yourself better, the real you. So be honest, but be outrageous if you want. Put anything on that list. It can be as small as wanting a new whisk in your kitchen to wanting to own an island or take a trip to the moon. Like it doesn't matter. If you think you want it, write it down. For those of you who still have writer's block, here is a sentence starter for you. Okay, I secretly want. Write that down and see what comes up. Or I would never tell a living soul this, but I really want and finish that sentence. Remember, you can always take something off your list. Sometimes you have to try a desire on, almost like trying on a piece of clothing. It looks good on the hanger, but you know, not so good once you put it on. Don't be afraid to put a desire on your list that you may take off at a later date. And the very last thing is I want you to practice allowing yourself to want something. Even if it's just for like 30 seconds, look at something on your list and let yourself want it. Your brain is going to try and interrupt you. That's impossible. You're so selfish. You're never going to get it. Why even think about it? Your brain's going to offer you all of that. That's okay. Your brain's just trying to keep you safe. It feels like this is important to tell you. But for 30 seconds, tell your brain to hold on and just shush for a moment and let yourself want something. I have something I secretly want. Every time I allow myself to think about it, my brain tells me I'm never going to get it and to stop wanting it. I want to believe my brain all the time because I've believed it for years. But just for a moment, I tell my brain, shh, but what if I could get it and I let myself believe? That's all for today. Until next time, get out there and desire. Thanks for listening today. If you like what you hear on the podcast and you'd like to learn more, feel free to head over to my website, jamelandstephancoaching.com or find me on Instagram or Facebook at jamelandstephancoaching.com.